0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. On this week 18 in the NFL, we have made it to the finish, mercifully so, alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate you all joining us. We will, of course, discuss uh, the Colts season finale against the Texans Well, I guess we are contractually obligated to do so at this point in the year. I'm sure that uh, we'll we'll, we'll discuss injuries as usual, keys to the game as usual. I'm sure Joe put in some ample thought to his keys to the game this week. Uh, Very excited to see what he has to say about uh, the keys for the Colts and the Texans. Uh, And we'll make predictions, of course, as per usual. So I'll steal Mike's, uh, Mike's prediction in a minute here so I can have it by the end of the show. But first, let's get with the news. And it is significant this week across the NFL with the temporary postponement, perhaps eventually a cancellation of the Monday night football game in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Bills after a first quarter hit uh, rendered DeMar Hamlin motionless on the field there in Cincinnati. Second year safety is Hamlin um, received a hit as he was tackling T. Higgins on a pass over the middle. Um, and then got up and crumbled to the turf. Immediately, medical personnel out there on him, performing CPR, um, reaching down into, de- into death and bringing him back. And he's been at uh, UC Medical Center in Cincinnati since. And fortunately, there's been wonderful news on Hamlin's condition, especially in just in the last couple minutes, really, before we tape this podcast, with uh, doctors giving a press conference about the progress that he has made about how he's regained consciousness, how he's gripping hands of uh, family members. <clears throat> I saw that uh, he, he can't communicate verbally yet, but through just through text asked who won the game. So uh, so that's uh, so many encouraging signs right now about uh, the condition of uh, DeMar Hamlin, chap. Uh, it is clearly something that, that has taken over the NFL news cycle over the past 48 hours, and, uh, and much deservedly so.
1: You know, you're watching the game, you see the play, and it was just a play. I mean, like Zarek Franklin said, he said, it, it, that's a routine tackle. And and to take it a step further, we've seen players make a tackle, get up, and go down. I mean, we've seen that many times. I don't think that's an overstatement. But it didn't take long to realize this was different. And what what... We've talked in the media room. What, what I've always learned to do is, one, you watch the response of the medical people, and they ran on the field. And then you watch the reaction of players. They will tell you if this is just another bad injury where a guy, you know, where guys suffered a torn whatever, or if this is dire. And it was very obvious to me at a very quick time. That this was different, and it was it. In the, the longer it went, the more you knew it was bad. I mean, you see players on a knee, consoling each other, crying. That's not normal. It, it's just it, I couldn't I couldn't compare it to anything I've seen. You know, the the worst thing I, I can remember seeing really in real time was Austin Colley against Philadelphia, where it was just awful. But he was he was up and in the locker room after the game. This was different, and what's you know what what you just read was is is extremely encouraging that they some news places had uh some specialists on 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 Tuesday and they said the first you know twenty four forty seventy two hours were going to be so critical in in what you saw so th- this is encouraging and Prayers remain to him because I'm sure he's not out of the woods. But from from where, w- when you revive a guy on the field, when he was gone, and they revive him, and apparently the mayor had to re- revive him again at the hospital, to now, uh, it, it's just a blessing. And it, this is this is the path that you had hoped that DeMar would be on. And of
0: course, plenty of Colts uh, speaking about it this week. Coach Jeff Saturday, Joe calling it as scary as situations he's ever seen. Uh, I mean, we, we've we watched a lot of football in our lives just as football fans and, and football journalists. Uh, Jeff Saturday has seen that plus so much more himself. So uh, were you watching the game on Monday Night Football? What was your reaction when, uh, when I'm sure you were brought up to date if you weren't watching it at that, at that very moment?
2: Yeah, the wife and I were watching it live and You know, kind of as Mike explained, after a minute or two, you realized it was something different. And I remember just saying, did did we just watch someone die on the football field? This is crazy. Um, They brought out the ambulance, which is not normal for an NFL game. You'll see that sometimes in high school and stuff like that. Um, But it, it, it was abundantly clear that this is just a freak thing that has not been that has not really happened in the NFL, at least not recently, that I can remember um, this was just wild. I'm I'm very thankful for the recent updates that he's making great progress. That uh, you know the doctors say he appears to be neurologically intact. Uh, lungs are continuing to heal, so I'm sure he's got a long journey ahead of him. Um, but thankfully, it, it seems like we're getting a lot of. Very encouraging news.
0: Our prayers still with him, with his family, our thoughts as well. And uh, so, so all the best to DeMar Hamlin uh, as he continues uh, on, this, uh, on this journey then to, to, to rest, to rehab, to recover. And um, speaking with one player in particular in the Colts locker room who is uh, certainly more affected than the situation than others is rookie safety Rodney Thomas. Uh, Thomas was a teammate of DeMar Hamlin in high school. Uh, so they spent several years together. Hamlin was a year in front of him at Central Catholic uh, outside of Pittsburgh, uh, a factory powerhouse football program there in western Pennsylvania. But but those two uh, share a unique bond. Speaking with Rodney, he said he still speaks with DeMar Hamlin every day, even now that they've been graduated and long gone and separated from one another from, from several years of college in the NFL.
1: Jap. They, talk mon- they talk Monday. Yep. <laughs> Before the game,
0: yep, uh, he said he spoke with him right then on Monday, right, right even even that day. So, and, and Rodney also drove down on um, on Tuesday to to Cincinnati to to be with the family, to to see them, and to get in. The, he said he got in the hospital room, was able to see Demar there. He wasn't awake at that time, but he was able to be there, talk to him, uh, like hold his hand, just really. Uh, was he called it an, an, an encouragement just to be able to be there to see to see his family and even at that time the news the news wasn't as good as it is now but they were seeing early signs of progress at that point so so Rodney told us when he came back to Indy that drive back was an encouraging drive it wasn't a despondent drive you know driving away from your friend um, at, at just at the mercy of, of Lord knows what at that time he felt that there were good things happening um, so 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 Rodney was great in front of us he 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 certainly you was uh, was very forthcoming, was very uh, honest, I think, with everything that he could say and everything that that he was able to say. And also was extraordinarily confident that, that DeMar Hamlin was going to, to pull through. And uh, at that time, I was thinking, okay, it's nice to be confident, but you, but you never know. But now I think like 48 or 24 hours later since that interview, like I, you understand a little bit more of the positivity, or at least I do, just because I've seen more results. And, and for you to, to, to have faith in him without the results is certainly something too. And there's a lot of people that have had ton, tons of faith in DeMar in this, in this scenario. And uh, and his ability to, to come through, and it looks like he, he's taking steps toward that. So so really tremendous. Um, but let, let's hear a little bit from Rodney Thomas in the locker room right now, uh, as we spoke with him uh, this week about uh, about his, his drive uh, to Cincinnati, his 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 time with the Hamlin family, and seeing his, his old friend.
1: It was good to just go in there and just like see him, see see the family, and just just be with them at that point in time. Because I know I know like it's real tough for them. Uh, as well as it is for, like, the people that are real close to him, different things like that. So just trying to be there. Uh, He's a soldier, and he went down, and he needed troops behind him. So I was close, made my way over there. That was Colts
0: rookie safety Rodney Thomas speaking about his his, his trip to Cincinnati to see DeMar Hamlin, his old friend, um, there after, after the – really scary events from Monday Night football so so again all, all our best to, to Hamlin and the family and, and, and next up I guess you have to decide what to do chap what once the um, you, you get past the human element of it there's still a football season and the a battle for the number one seed in the AFC whatever the NFL decides to do it's 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 going to be a little messy whether they try to play that game, finish it out between the Bengals and the bills. It's probably not likely that that would happen. I would say it's probably more likely to be canceled, but, uh, and to keep out all the other schedules, uh, on, on tap. And then you'll kind of deal with the number one seed anyway. Um, but, but that's that, I guess that's what's next for the NFL. And, and thankfully since tomorrow is feeling better and looking better, you, you expect week 18 to go on as normal. I know there were in, initial thoughts that, Oh shoot, are, are, Players gonna be able to play Week 18 because of uh, because of what has happened, especially players on the Bills with uh, being teammates of his. But but now now, like I said, it comes to the the idea of what could happen next. And, and from from my perspective, it just seems like canceling that game would be the one that ruffles the fewest amount of feathers because there's going to be some kind of ruffling of feathers no matter what happens, right?
1: Yeah, and I keep waiting for the league to announce something, and, and people need to realize we're not being cold and callous with this but the the game when the league goes on because it has to and i i firmly believe that as maybe not monday night but tuesday morning they were in discussions because you have to be that's why they've got a zillion people working at the league offices this portion works with this and this portion works with this and that doesn't mean that the the portion that's working on the what 'em do at the game doesn't care about the player, but you have to figure out what you're doing. But like you said, I, I just don't see how they how they have, okay, we're gonna extend the the postseason. We're gonna get rid of the, the, the bye between the championship game and the Super Bowl and move everything back and have the Bengals and, and Bills play, you know, next week. That's not gonna happen. Probably like you said, canceling the game but i've seen rumor speculation that maybe they expand the playoffs to include a team that might get messed up because of not having you know whether whether and i i have not looked at the schedule on the playoffs enough because the team we follow has been out since i don't know october it feels like but maybe you expand it to to eight teams so that that team gets in but then you're going to have issue with the seeding because without playing that game, there's going to be an issue with the seeding, and I think what you said is totally accurate. Somebody's going to get you use you use ruffled feathers, so we'll we'll go there. That's the nicest way I could think about it. But 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 somebody will, and you know what you have to say is, sorry, but that's how it is. Stuff happens. So, but here we are, Thursday, and keep in mind, the Bills have to play this weekend. What kind of shape are they in mentally to go out there and play? It's one thing for – and what we got from the Colts on Wednesday was was emotional and heartfelt, and these guys felt the, the, the situation of a player almost dying on the field and still being in critical condition and all that, that's one thing. It's awful and it's on your mind, but then you go play Houston. It's totally different when you're the Buffalo Bills. That's your guy. You know, I'm sure they'll go out and play who do they play uh, the Patriots, right? I, I think it is. It, that's a massive game. <laughs> it's a massive game. So it, it's it's one thing where you, you still have to care about Hamlin. But the league still has to figure out what to do. I mean, you, you can do both. Again, I'm ser- you can simply do both and not do shame to the other. I'm curious because, as you said, somebody's going to come out w- with the short end of something. But this it's one of these, you know, one in a 50-year of occurrence that you're going to have to deal with. And I really don't think the team that gets short shrift is going to have a lot. They're not going to have a strong voice of opposition to it because – Sometimes stuff happens.
0: I read one possibility, Joe, would even be to, to make the AFC championship game with something like a neutral site game if it comes down to it, But if you have to mess around with the one seed. And I was thinking then, I mean, if you're Chiefs-Bills and you're looking for a neutral site game somewhere between them, you know, <laughs> Indianapolis is uh, it's right there. Like, I, I really think, honestly, if they did that, like Indianapolis or Detroit for Ford Field would be the two they would pick cuz they're indoors, they're between them.
1: D- D- Detroit might be busy. Yeah, they, they might be playing.
0: Exactly. Detroit could still be out there. So, so you, you got you got to get someone who's out of the playoffs. So, Joe playoff football coming to Indianapolis. You heard it her first here first on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.
2: Yeah, and within the, you know, past few years everything that's happened with the pandemic, it's almost like we're used to unprecedented situations. We are. Just, what's another one? Um, in terms of rescheduling this game, canceling it, giving both teams a tie. I've seen that floated out there. Um, So I'll be interested to see what they do with this. I don't really have a strong opinion on what they should do. I haven't heard anyone really say this makes the most sense because no matter what way you slice it, someone's going to get the raw end of the deal, um, or at least think they do. Maybe that's how it would have ended up anyway. Right. um, Since we don't know the results of that game, but it's um, – Aside from Hamlin, which is a terrible situation, what the inter- NFL does with the scheduling will be very interesting. So we'll see what
0: happens. We will see. We will also see if any Colts are elected to the newest class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The 15 modern-era finalists have been announced, per Mike Chapel and all the voters you know, whittling the field down. We have two Colts on this list of 15. They are... Reggie Wayne, his fourth uh, year of eligibility, is a finalist again. And Dwight Freeney, a finalist for the Hall of Fame. So from this list, if you've been following along from the semifinalist stage, you know that uh, Robert Mathis did not make this cut. So Chappell, we'll start with with Rob and then kind of move on uh, to the 15 modern era finalists. But we, we kind of speculated that the national uh view of Mathis and freeney might skew slightly toward freeney and this would be a little bit of confirmation toward toward our uh toward our estimate wouldn't it
1: and that's too bad for Robert it, it it's crazy but it, when when you talk to fo- folks around here and again I tried to get John Turling to late John Turling to say hey if you could have one Freeny or Mathis, who would you take and he said no nah, I'm not going there you're not you're not getting me to do that but I do think that locally, and this is just my gut feeling, locally, it's Mathis, and nationally, it's Freeney. It's just a feeling I get from that, and it's it's hard to really say which one is right and which one's wrong. I mean, it's crazy. People forget that Mathis is the Colts' all-time sack leader. It's not Freeney because Dwight left here and went elsewhere. And Robert's got the all-time record for sack strips, fumbles, and then Freeney's got more sacks because he played longer and he went to an extra Super Bowl that he should have won but didn't because you know twenty-eight to three because because of Tom Brady yep and and, and because of Atlanta's offense really interesting do I think Freeney gets in first ballot probably not I think Demarcus Ware gets in from this group should have got in last year as a first ballot guy uh. But I think he's. it's funny when I've seen some guys, selectors have put out like, okay, this is a 15. Who, who, Which five do you like? And they're just asking for comments. And I'm telling you, 80% of the comments had Freedy on the list, which surprised me. But I think, again, that just shows that the national image optics is Freedy. And he was that good, and he had this spin move. And, you know, it's, it's funny if you had that signature move, and you were pretty good, and you came from Syracuse. That's right. You know. <laughs> but I, I, I just think that – I think the deck is stacked against him this year because because of DeMarcus Ware. But there is a national perception that Freeney was damn good. And he was. And he was. So be very curious to see how he does. I, I still
0: remember Joe. Uh, this was even before I went to Syracuse. So it was when Freeney was drafted, just a couple years before I went. Um, <clears throat> like knowing, seeing him coming out and being drafted, and thinking at me as my you know, young football fan, like he's a small defensive end. I don't know if he's going to work well in the NFL. I mean, he's a top fifteen pick, whatever. That, that's a lot of faith to put into this guy, who's, uh, who's who doesn't really fit the mold. But Freeney was also kind of the not. Maybe a, somewhat of a changing of the guard in some ways in the NFL and how they view pass rushers, and and he certainly came to the perfect place here in Indianapolis that was eventually paired with Robert Mathis on one side, but but also the the turf that could uh, just magnify his speed and his ability there. And also an offense that kept putting points on the board, so other offenses needed to match and needed to throw themselves. He was put in a perfect scenario to be successful, and he certainly took advantage of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything kind of lined up for him in his career. I'm sure he would have had a great career. I completely agree, yes. But um, just the scheme that he was in with the offense putting up so much points, so he got to rush the passer more instead of having to run defend, which was not his strong suit. Um, obviously, and then today we see so many more edge rushers in his mold. About 260 pounds. Uh, what was he like? Six one, six two. He wasn't all that tall, so he was able to get down and under um, those, you know, hulking offensive linemen. So he he was a bit, in a way, a trendsetter in that regard. And and then the Colts went and got an even smaller defense end than Mathis. Not in the first round, I'll be right, right. But um, to pair with him, I think. You know, I kind of agree with what Mike describes as a national view. I always saw Freene as like the guy, and then Mathis as kind of his running mate. And then once Freene moved on, Mathis kind of like established himself as a guy in his own right and goes, I'm not just a sidekick. I'm not just a Robin to your Batman. So I think it is kind of unfortunate that the narrative plays out that way for Mathis. But that's kind of you know just growing up and watching this team. That's kind of how I felt about it as well.
0: And that brings us to Reggie Wayne, the other Colt that is a finalist, four years uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame. Chap for Reggie Wayne, and I know you've you've made the the argument for him before in front of the selection committee. You'll get the chance to do it again. Heck, you had to do it for Edger in six or seven years, whatever it was. And there comes a point where there's not too much more you can you can add to the uh, you can add to the discussion. But um, they, they, when you look at who gets in i mean you always compare them against uh other players who who are on the list and uh, and other players who have uh, who are at the same position specifically, and you have Reggie Wayne, you have Torrey Holt, you have Andre Johnson. There are the three wide receivers, and and I know I, I know we we've certainly talked on this podcast about uh, about those three before and how they fit. But uh, if, if Reggie's going to go in, I think those two guys are really his his main competition. Obviously, it's everybody in this fifteen, but uh, in order to be considered most um, most probably. You have to be viewed as the best at your position, and then and, and then after that, it's kind of a, a pick and choose between positions. So uh, th- th- this is another opportunity for Reggie to g- to get in. Uh, h- how do you feel about his chances in this vote when it comes down to it in February?
1: I felt better last year because of the group, and 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 that does matter. Is who else is in the group? I don't think this is a, the problem with this year's group. Is there might be three. First ballot guys. Well, two first ballots, and and I think DeMarcus Ware gets in. I think there's a good chance Darrell Rivas gets in. And Joe Thomas, you know, which will be kind of crazy where a guy who played on such a crappy team for so long. But it just shows that you can be a great, great player on a bad team. With Reggie and and Holt and Johnson, it's just what's your flavor? Because their stats are so similar. They are. They are. I think one of those guys gets in because the Hall of Fame, the forty-nine selectors, is we know that we've already now created another backlog at the position, and before long we're going to have Larry Fitzgerald, we're going to have Jason Witten, who's not, who's who's a who's a tight end, but he's you know he's still a receiver sort of. So then all of a sudden you're really really getting a backlog of players. And I saw Mike Sando of The Athletic did a really, really good study. And he, I, I won't get into all the complicated stats he had about ranking receivers. I mean, over the last 50 years. And it, it involved, you know, how many years you led the league in, this and that, and average and all this. Jerry Rice was number one. You know, Jerry Rice is a free Obviously. He's an alien. He's an alien. I mean, it really, I, th- I think he is. But Reggie was number ten, all time. The problem is Torrey Holt was three, <laughs> so and that's based, I think, on on yards per catch and in in his per year. His numbers and those are just a smidgen better than Reggie. Uh, and on top of that, Torrey Holt's been waiting like eight years to Reggie's four. So one of these guys gets in, and I'm telling you. I may stand up and cuss in, in the room if Andre Johnson gets in before either one of these guys gets in. It's just not right. Now Calvin Johnson, okay, I understand. Two years ago that he got in, or last year he got in. I understand it. He was almost an alien, like Jerry Rice. But Andre Johnson is is he, he, he he's the, he he's so similar. So, but one of these guys gets in because they need to, and hopefully again. I keep I, I joke with Edger and I joke with Reggie again this year I you know I wish last year Reggie could have snuck in another thousand yards on his resume another five touchdowns but like you said it's the same numbers nothing changes. you just have to wonder what it's going to take nationally and and this is another one like with freeney Mathis a lot of what works against Reggie is is the national perceptions well you know you had Peyton and in and, and Andrew luck. And Andre Johnson had Matt Schaub, you know. So I think that works against him a little bit. But people need to see that when when Marvin no longer was the number one guy, like that was in 2007, I think it was, and Reggie took off, Reggie had three or four of his best years. He showed he was the guy. So it's interesting, and I'm sure I'll get upset. I hope I don't. Uh, Reggie, as he told us today, if he ever gets in, he'll have, what do you call it, a a big-ass party? Yep. I, I believe was his quote. It'll it'll, it'll rival Edrin's. Good luck with which that. Is a, which was a bit bigger than Peyton's, which you could expect, but uh, deserving. I think most of these guys. There's a couple of these guys I'm not, you know, super hyped on, but there's a handful I am. Reggie's one I am. Dwight's one I am. We'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of great great players, Joe, in this in this 15 uh, player class. Along with Reggie and Dwight Freeney, you have, as Chap mentioned, Darrell Rivas, Uh, one of the best cornerbacks easily of his era. Joe Thomas, easily one of the best offensive tackles of his era. Uh, Willie Anderson, the offensive tackle. You have Torrey Holt. You have Devin Hester, who is arguably the greatest return man of all time in the NFL. Andre Johnson, who was mentioned, uh, along with DeMarcus Ware. Jared Allen, who's also in that line, a defensive end, uh, who's been waiting for a couple years. Then uh, at linebacker, you have Zach Thomas and Patrick Willis. Uh, safety, Darren Woodson, and a pair of cornerbacks or defensive backs, and Rondé Barber and Albert Lewis. So there's there's a lot of great names on this list, um, but obviously Colts fans are hoping that uh, that a couple more uh, can can make that final cut. I, I would not be surprised if neither of them make it in 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 the final here. Like Chap was saying, like last year was a weak class. It really was, and and there there was some decision made uh, by by the full selection committee. I'm not putting this completely on you, obviously, Chap, but. Uh, to have a guy like Sam Mills make it in his just final year of eligibility, uh, because it was his final year of eligibility, throw him in there instead of giving it to someone else who's perhaps you would think more deserving of the Hall of Fame. Um, th- this year, there, there's a little bit more elite uh, talent, I think, at the top of this list uh, when you look at Revis and Thomas. And then when DeMarcus Ware didn't make it last year was, was stunning to me anyway. I thought if there was anyone...
1: And that's what, and that's a byproduct of Sam Mills getting in. I mean, right. I'm not, I don't want, I'm not ripping on Sam Mills, but, but when you get him in, and you leave off the Marcus Ware, it carries over to the next year. Right. So there are repercussions of your decisions.
0: So, so Joe, look at look at this list, and and, and who do you like on this list, uh, whether it's a uh, Colts or otherwise, to as kind of some of your favorites.
2: Yeah, obviously, I'm rooting for. Reggie andor Joe would put them both one and two put and them and both his in his Let's go. But if I'm, you know, take my Colts fandom aside and completely look at it objectively, I'd go Revis Thomas, uh, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Willis, those four, and then it'd be a real tough choice on who the number five is. Uh probably Torrey Holt, just because he's right there with the other receivers and he's been waiting longer. I feel like it's his turn. I mean, back in the day, it was Holt was right up there with Moss and Harrison and Terrell Owens. It's like kind of those top four stud wide receiver guys um, who, who would just terrorize opposing defenses. And so that would be my five if I was to, you know, have sole control of the Hall of Fame, um, putting my, you know, love of the Colts on the back burner.
0: Of course. Of course. They're, they're um, out of. One stat that I thought that was really remarkable but remarkable rather with um with Tory Holt was he has an NFL record of six straight seasons of thirteen hundred receiving yards or more, like not even Jerry Rice had six straight seasons of thirteen hundred yards or more. That is remarkable elite consistency and production, and obviously the Rams were uh, an incredible offense at that time
2: yeah i wonder why you know, he, he he's kind of a forgotten wide receiver from that era i don't know if it's just because there was like i listed off so many other great wide receivers as well he wasn't necessarily a guy who brought a lot of attention to himself marshall so.
0: falk was kind of the star on that team so he was the one that i think just got most of that attention and kurt warner as well from uh from his years i know i think mark Bolger might have even been for one or two mm-hmm. of those years the tory Hall of 1300 but 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 you look at who the stars were specifically, and I think Marshall kind of stole a little bit uh, of the uh, of the of the attention, and maybe that's why Torrey Holt didn't get doesn't get the same respect right now. And he also was done after ten or eleven years, so he had a rel- he had a shorter career. Um, he didn't have those years when he was still playing in the NFL, where like Reggie did have a couple of them, where he seemed to be like a a, a veteran revered player, where you can tell that he was kind of. Uh, on the down slope of his career. But but still, yeah, still during those times, like, you're still in the spotlight. You can still, like, show up on broadcast and be talked about glowingly uh, by whoever's doing the games for... Uh, for several years, while you're going through that time in your in your career, Torrey Holt never got that. He reached a point and he was done. And it wasn't the type. He wasn't the type of player like Calvin Johnson who reached that point and was done. And was obviously, like Chap said, an, an alien type of guy that was that was going to be in in the Hall of Fame. So that that's that's my random theory. Red Dave's random theory of the day, for uh, in terms of uh, just respect for these players. I like. I think Devin Hester has to be in the Hall of Fame because yeah. he is the best at his position. In NFL history, it's when, like when Adam Vinatieri finally becomes eligible. He has got to be in the Hall of Fame because he is the best at his position in NFL history. Right, Chap? Am I wrong?
1: Adam Vinatieri, I hope I'm still doing this, I think in two years when when Vinny is, is up for it. I, I firmly believe he's the guy you stand up and say, Adam Vinatieri, and you sit down. And I've been told by a couple of selectors, well, you know, he, he was a kicker. And I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? If, and I'm probably going to do this is, is I'm going to stand up and say, and I'll go through the stats. You know, the the most points ever. I think it's four Super Bowl wins, two that he kicked the winning, the winning. He he had the winning play. He 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 has the all time record for consecutive makes at 44, I believe it is, at age like. Sixty, and, and he really started the the uh, Patriots dynasty with it with the kick and the tuck game, and and if it was any other player at any other position, you say that's enough, but it's a kicker.
2: Also, holy meatballs! Did you guys see the video he posted the other day of him working out with who I assume is his son? He is jacked. He is. Yo, yeah, dude. he might be trying to come back as a linebacker or something. <laughs> That's true. I, think it's, I, think,
1: I think I think it's that elk meat or whatever it is that he <laughs> that he eats.
2: It's something. Right. Whatever it is, I need to get on that because he is absolutely shredded.
1: When he
0: was young, he chased – It wasn't Herschel Walker that he chased down or something? Uh, like, it, it was yes. on a kick return. It, yeah, I think yes. – yeah. Yes, So it was like an older Herschel Walker that Adam Vinatieri chased down on a kick return. I don't know if he could run that. He definitely couldn't no. run that fast anymore, but now it would be like a – he, he tried to just stand there and like let Herschel run into biceps him. His
2: are bigger than his head at this oh point. Oh my goodness. It's it's crazy
0: now it, it, become it, a bodybuilder. Again, again,
1: his career unfortunately ended the way it ended in 19 where you know his last kick was not was totally un, un you, you don't want to go out that way. Right. With, with with the way it ended. But my goodness, he kicked forever. Most point all that stuff. I I hope I just hope it's not that stigma like you mentioned with, with Devin Hester. There is that stigma. Well, you know, you have special teams. It took it took the senior vote to get the best punter in, Ray Guy. And I kept arguing. I said, I don't care who the best kicker is. I don't care if it's Hunter Smith. I don't care if it's Pat McAfee. The best punter has got to be in the Hall of Fame because we're, every year we vote another guard another center, another defensive tackle, how you don't. So, you know, now you're hearing Justin Tucker. And and a great, great, great kicker. But what Vinatieri did, and again, there's probably six or seven percentage points in their their success rate. I think Vinny's about 83 maybe. Maybe he's 85. Justin Tucker's like 90, whatever. But Vinny's got, when it came to kicking the kick, it was Vinny. So I, I, I hope there's not much discussion. And if and if there is, it's because people are hung up on this. Yeah, but he's a kicker. Well, then that's just wrong. I, I,
0: I was told that scoring points was important in the NFL.
1: I, I, and every every time the kicker goes on the field, unless it's a kickoff, there are points on the line.
2: Yeah, at that so. point, just take special teams out of the game. Just start every drive at the twenty-five. No more field goals. Either score touchdown or you don't. Like, uh, it, it's it's a huge part of the game. The Bears don't make the Super Bowl that year without Devin Hester. Mike,
1: right. you t- you take you take field goals away and do the Colts score? Ah, not, not this
0: year. Nope, <laughs> they do not. Not really. Yikes! Ouch! It's painful, but it's true. But it is but true. It's about,
1: but but it's about over.
0: What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front Mayo Clinic. The Colts host the Texans this weekend to close out the 2022 NFL season,
2: even though we are in 2023, of course, right now. Usually I'm sad when the season's over, but this is not the case. You,
0: Joe reached sadness a long time ago. That's the problem. <laughs> you, you've, you've hit the apathy stage. Um, And I think there's a lot of Colts fans out there who have, so we do appreciate you continuing to listen and download the Colts Blue Zone podcast and following us uh, online on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone because hopefully we we provide a little bit of entertainment, a little bit more knowledge than just your typical game day, you know, stat stuff um, and, and previewing because because obviously we're, we're focusing elsewhere right now on, on how this Colts uh, team lines up. But for those of you who are interested, Kenny Moore will not play in this game. He's been placed on injured reserve finally with his ankle like we talked about and we talked about this last week. Like, why is Kenny Moore not on injured reserve? And I don't know if there's a specific reason, but...
2: uh, Why is Kenny Moore not on injured reserve? Why is Nick Foles not
0: on injured reserve? The Colts
2: might be down their top four cornerbacks, and you're going to keep a roster spot for Nick Foles?
0: Yeah, I I don't know how it works or or the the machinations behind it, chap.
1: Well, the the only thing, and, and you're right, Joe, the only thing is, though, is when you're allowed to bring a couple of practice squad players up, for the game, then it, it you you really it's it's not as dire as, as what you would think it would be, so they they can bring a couple of a couple of defensive backs up at the end of the week, and it, it's the same as it, it it's the same as having them on the active roster, which they'll be for game day.
2: Gotcha.
0: A couple players who did not participate in Wednesday's practice also besides Kenny Moore and Nick Foles include uh, Brandon Faison who had a concussion. Stephon Gilmore has a wrist injury. Kylan Granson with an ankle injury. Rodney McLeod was just resting and defensive end Rashad Barry who was just signed to the list was a travel day for him getting him in town and getting him uh, up to speed sort of. And full participant in practice was wide receiver Ashton Duell and coming off of his concussion. So some optimism that he will be ready to go uh, come Sunday against the Texans, who have ruled out cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. with uh, He's on injured reserve. Damian Pierce, their running backs on injured reserve. Justin Britt's on injured reserve. Nico Collins, the wide receiver, on injured reserve. Uh, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Cornerback Steven Nelson with an illness. Center uh, Jimmy Morsley. 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 I don't know if that's, if that's spelled right. I'm having a tough time pronouncing it, but with a concussion. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Moralsly, like the L and the S you would think something or something are in a weird position. You, you're, you're probably right. I, I can't tell you the, uh, the ins and the outs of the Tennessee, uh, excuse me, the uh, Houston Texans 53-man roster. Also a full participant in Wednesday's practice, uh, Tegan Quitoriano with a thigh injury. Uh, so that's the, uh, the quick injury report from, from both squads. Is, is that spelled correctly, Joe, Have you found out?
2: Morelsley M O oh. No apparently the L is an I, so Morrissey. Oh Morris, Morrissey, okay. Yes. So the uh, yeah, I guess on the Texans websites the L's and the I's are. They look, easily looked a little confused. similar. Okay, yes.
0: okay. I was I was very confused there, <laughs> as as you could all tell uh, just listening here. Like I look at it I'm like that's not how you spell a name. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> that's uh, not a name. No. The culture are four eleven <laughs> and one, the Texans are two thirteen and one. And uh, one remarkable thing that I found about the Texans this year, guys, is uh, they, if they go outside the AFC South, they lost every single game. Every game that they had against a non-AFC South opponent, they lost. And so far, they have beaten the Jaguars once, they've beaten the Titans once, and they tied the Colts. So there you go. The Colts should be the AFC South champions, right? Because they had the best result against the Houston Texans so far. Out of uh, well, well, that would mean that they would need to. Well, it doesn't matter even if they lose this game, because uh, or if they win this game, uh, either way, uh, they store or have the best record against the Houston Texans out of out of everyone in the uh, in the division. So. Um, so, so there, so there you go. Uh, the, uh, the Colts are AFC South champions. You heard it here first on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, but, but, but in all seriousness, um, but before we get into some of the numbers, uh, with, with the, these teams, we were talking about it guys before we were got, got on this podcast. This is a unique scenario. Well, uh, you, 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 it's a unique scenario in the fact that you don't see it every week, but perhaps you see it once every year or every other year that there are two teams that are, um, completely like in the top five of the of the draft order that are playing each other down the stretch of the season that that really, y- you heard the expression, you have a lot to play for. Well, they have a lot to lose for uh, this weekend, both teams, because the Texans, uh, Chap, are in a heated battle with the Chicago Bears for the top overall draft pick. And if they don't get it, then the Bears are number one. And although the Bears aren't going to take a quarterback like the Texans would like, the Bears can trade with anybody who wants a quarterback there Then in that number one be an spot. Option. It really would be. And they're probably getting a king's ransom if there is one quarterback. And right now it seems like Bryce Young is the guy who's uh, head and shoulders above everyone else, who still appears a couple other good quarterbacks there in the first round. So the Texans losing out on that first draft pick could be very significant for them in the future of that franchise. And for the Colts, I mean, geez, you still want to get up as high, as high as possible, whether it's going to be as high as – uh, three or, or as low as number six, there's a big swing in there in terms of what you can draft or what you can trade for in terms of franchise change and caliber players, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's why i I thought along depending, you know, the, the, the Colts are going to end up with the third best quarterback, maybe, maybe the second best if, if they can get just a, a smidge higher. And I guess I wouldn't rule out a trade with Chicago. You know, it's it's funny. I saw our friends at the Star had an interesting – what if thing with trading with the Bears? I don't know what the what the draft picks they were going to send, but they were going to send DeForest Buckner and Kenny Moore back to Eberflus to try to get their pick and then take your, you know, the second best quarterback. Which you know, the only issue is, I, no, I, I guess an argument that can be made is, and the Colts did this way back when, is yes, you've got to get your guy. You have absolutely got to get your guy, but don't get your roster to do it. Remember, that's what they did with Jeff George in, in in 1990. and Maybe that never would have worked anyway, but they gave up Andre Risen, their top receiver, young receiver, and they gave up Chris Hinton, their their left tackle, and then the offense was bad. You know, oh, really? But I, I'm really – we were talking with Reggie Wayne today, and he's, he's always fun to talk with, but he, he mentioned one of the, you know. We asked him about what needed to be fixed or whatever, and 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 he wasn't going to go where we wanted him to go because he'd probably get fired. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but he said it was important to get the guy. And I think I'm I'm pretty sure we we agreed he was talking about the 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 coach. Got to make sure you get the right coach. But I said all along too, you know, I, I I sort of really really believe it. If you don't get the right quarterback, I don't care who your coach is. I mean, I, I really do. So, so they've got to do almost whatever they have to do, short of getting your roster to get to get the quarterback. Because if, not, if nothing else, and I think Joe and I talked a little bit about it, is right now the fan base is po'd. They're really upset with where this is. But if you give them a quarterback that they can believe in, in the draft, they they will they will, you know, they'll endure another another bad season next year because they know that maybe they, that probably they've got their quarterback. So we've always joked that we need to get this season over so they can start the rebuild process, and that starts with who loses perhaps on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Joe, quite, quite the significant weekend here for the Colts. I think for the first time in every – really every week, uh, I think there's been a good swath of Colts fans who have been hoping for them to lose every week. Uh, and, and I understand completely and they've been doing a great the job. They have that. been. They've been doing tremendous, to be fair, to, the, to, to be fair. So th- this week, even more so, even if even if other some fans were still kind of holding out the well, oh, I still want to see them do well. I still want to see them win this week. Maybe more than most could pull some uh, pull some over to the dark side, so to speak, as the season comes to an end.
2: Yeah, I remember I had, you know, in my friend group, people rooting for tanks since the Broncos game. Uh, which was a little early for me. I wasn't quite there yet. They they believed
0: from early on that this was coming, and, and they were yeah. right.
2: Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the Colts having this abysmal season. There's a, the word abysmal again, but um, yet still having the 14th pick in the draft, and they've just marched their way up and up and up and up that draft order. The worst they can finish is six. If the Colts win and the Rams uh, um lose to the Seahawks, which I think they will. Seahawks have a playoff spot to play for. Uh, and then the Colts fall back to six. They could potentially get up. I think four is most likely. I think if the Broncos beat the Chargers, who may or may not have something to play for, um, by the time the 4 o'clock games hit, a lot will be decided during the 1 o'clock games. Um, then the Colts could have the fourth pick if they lose and the Broncos find a way to win so you know there's not a ton of fluctuation that could happen at that this point but when it comes down to draft time and making a potential trade to move up if you have to or just sticking and picking the fourth pick versus versus the sixth pick is going to be a big deal no doubt
1: chap just for just for perspective and context you got these two teams going absolutely nowhere well this is reminiscent someone re- reminded me of it last night this is reminiscent of the 1991 season finale it was called the Reapers Bowl That Super Bowl spelled backwards <laughs> and, and, and it was the uh, 1 in 14 Colts at the 2 and 13 Tampa Bay Bucks and the Colts got the first pick and it was about, I believe Steve Entman so they there, there was pressing so well so, I know Well, I, that's that's the story for another day. But 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 there is precedent for two crappy teams playing in, in the last game of the season.
0: There is. There certainly is. And, and here we are yet again. Um, and and we'll, we'll get into this certainly much more later. But uh, it, it, it's more important to, to pick the right quarterback and have the right coach than to have the higher pick. For quarterback or even the first pick for coach whatever it might be i mean you you look back i always just look back to the 2018 season a couple years ago when josh allen was the third quarterback taken he was taken seventh overall the colts yeah. can only pick as pick as low as sixth, as you said joe so if they were like in that year like they could have taken a guy like like a josh josh allen so if, yeah. if the right guy falls to you and you have the right coaching which the bills absolutely did that's been proven right people forget going into that draft that there were a lot of people who did not like Josh Allen at all. like And Josh Rosen, they, they thought Josh Rosen was the better Josh. Like he wasn't even the best Josh at quarterback, uh, according to, you know, 30% maybe uh, of the prognosticators and the pundits out there. So so w- when we get to that discussion, we'll get to it. But, but for now, certainly the, the higher you get, the more chance you have of getting the guy that you want and getting the guy that you want to be coached. Right, Mike?
1: Yeah, and the higher you can get, in, in the draft order, to some degree, the less you're going to have to fork over, to get even higher. Because I don't think we should rule out at all the Colts moving up from wherever they are six five four, to get a smidgen higher. Because the 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 the, the less you have to move up, the less you have to, to pay. Even though whatever you move up is going to cost you a bunch. Yep.
0: Uh, just just don't be like the Jets that year who traded up for Sam Darnold when they could have gotten Josh Allen. Uh, whenever they so wanted to well, with the Colts, who traded down to number six and and got Quentin Nelson that year. So anyway, uh, Colts and Texans, let's break down this intriguing matchup, shall we? The Texans have the worst record in the NFL. They're coming off a 31-3 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Houston offense is anemic at best, 31st in the league in scoring, 16.1 points per game, which is still better than the Baltimore Ravens do without Lamar Jackson at quarterback, but that's another story for another time. Uh, they've scored one fewer point than the Colts have this season. So so there you go. That's a great – like, these teams are tied, Joe. They yeah. really are. You look at week one, 20 to 20, and you look at all the way down here to week 18, just one point separates these two uh, splendiferous offenses.
2: Yeah, and we'll get to it in predictions, but the spread kind of shows that, that it's – probably going to be a pretty close game, although yeah. I said that last week about the Colts-Giants game, that did not turn out yeah, to be yeah. the case. So,
0: so much for that. Uh, they are th- tw- 32nd in yards, dead last in the NFL, 25th in passing, 31st in rushing. They only average 3.8 yards per carry, which is second worst in the league. Uh, they're right in the middle in sacks. They're 14th, and uh, second to last in the NFL in turnovers. They've turned over the ball 25 times, so it'd be nice to get a couple more of those. Uh, if you're rooting for the Colts to do Two well.
2: turnover kings in this game. There you go. Colts is with the so most turnovers, and then Yep. Texans with the second. Yeah, there most. we go. So there cool. might be a lot of balls changing hands,
0: but but then the ball's going to be on the ground and it's going to be like, do you want it? No. Do you want it? Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to want to you're lose this game right now. Not not for the players, not for the players, but it'll be maybe some folks in the stands. Don't dive on it. Stay away from the ball. Let's See what happens after that. Uh, the Houston defense is uh, not much better than the offense. They are 26th in points allowed and 30th in yards allowed. Um, 12th against the pass, dead last against the run, but uh, this is not a Colts team that has proven to be very good in the running game under Jeff Saturday in general and without Jonathan Taylor in particular. Uh, that certainly plays a big role in, in what they've been able to do in recent weeks especially. But they are sixth in takeaways with 24 this year, so the Texans' defense can it has proven to take the ball away better than the average team in the NFL this year. It's just that when they don't take the ball away, teams tend to score on them quite a bit more often uh, than not. Joe, how about some players to watch as the uh, Colts and Texans suit up this weekend from the opposing side?
2: Short lists this week, and, and a lot of that is there were some significant players on IR for the Texans, but Davis Mills...
1: As as, as, as I mentioned last week, your, your lists are getting shorter and
2: shorter. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really front-sided show this week. It was. Um, but, yeah, you got to start with the quarterback, Davis Mills, Uh, starting for this team again the last few weeks after. I believe there's one week that he was benched. But 61% completions, 200 yards per game, 14 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. There's a reason why the Texans are in the quarterback market um, after two years of Davis Mills. Last few games, he's been a little better. Four total touchdowns to one interception. Had a career-high 33 rushing yards last hey, week. Hey, there you go. Daniel Jones really torched the Colts on the ground, so you got to watch out for that with David You heard Mills. it here
0: first on the Colts Blue Zone podcast that Daniel Jones was going to have some very important runs, and that's exactly what he did.
2: Yeah, I mean, in week one versus the Colts, Mills actually had a pretty good game. 240 yards passing, two tuds, zero interceptions. That was a game when uh, uh, O.J. Howard was unguardable. Um, and, and he's kind of fizzled out no, as the he, season went he, along.
1: He, he was unguarded. <laughs> <laughs> there's there is a, there's a difference in those words.
2: Thank you for the correction, Mike. I, I completely <laughs> agree. Um, Looking at Brandon Cooks, I mean, this is one of the few, I guess, you could call stars on this team. Especially with Damian Pierce out, right? It, Damian Pierce. The yes. A very Moving forward, he's a running back that I'm going to be concerned with as a Colts fan. But with Brandon Cooks, he had his best game of the year against the Colts in week one, seven catches for 82 yards. Those were both season highs. He's only topped 60 yards in three games this season, Uh, uh, just a hair under 600 yards on the year. So really not having the season he'd like to. There's a reason he was trying to get out of Houston around the trade deadline, and that, that did not happen for him. But he's still someone that the Colts are going to have to keep an eye on. Looking at the defense, I mean, if you watch that week one game, the Colts are going to have to account for Jerry Hughes. Two sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble in that game. He's got nine sacks on the season, so really a nice revival to a career that seemed to be winding down. One
0: more sack would be 10, I think that would either tie or be his career high in the career
2: of Jerry Hughes. Which is fantastic for a player who I believe is 33 or 34. He's up there. Um, And then you want to talk about young, talented rookies. Jalen, I believe, Petrie? Mm -hmm. I think so. Out of Baylor, second round pick, 37th overall. He leads the team in interceptions with five and total tackles with 139. He had 10 in week one against the Colts. I believe he was the one who delivered the shot on Pierce set, knocked him out with the concussion and kind of altered his face mask, so he's somebody who can hit you over the middle and take the ball away. He's got uh, uh, an interception in each of his last two games, so he's a playmaker out there for this Houston defense.
0: But, but like Mike said earlier, just the the list is, of playmakers is small, and uh, it, it just you, you get sometimes weird players who who step up, like OJ Howard was week one to, to be a playmaker against bad defenses and or uh, or teams that are just trying to come together or are struggling in certain areas. So. Uh, so that's where the Colts are going up against this group of of Houston Texans. Uh, Joe, your your keys. Your chat. Chat has something before Joe's keys to the game. So what you got?
1: Yeah, one, one thing on players to watch uh, favorably with the Colts. Michael Pittman Jr. needs four catches for a for a hundred. And it's it's funny how R- R- Reggie Williams said, "Yeah, but we're, I'm more concerned about him getting a thousand yards." And I think he needs a hundred and five catches. I, I I don't know. So at that rate, he's going to need about. 15 catches for, you know, averaging seven yards. And on top of that, Zaire Franklin needs five tackles to break Shaq Leonard's franchise record of 163. Which, yes, is an extra game and all that, and tackles are tackles, but... A franchise record's a franchise record.
0: I'm sure uh, Shaquille Leonard will, uh, will have nothing but good things to say about uh, – he will have good things to say about Zaire, but then he will certainly not uh, be motivated at all next year to, uh, to do anything uh, by himself as to, to get that record back. So uh, perhaps that would be a good thing for Shaquille Leonard, give him something else to, uh, to motivate him to get back, as if he needs any extra motivation, but nevertheless.
1: That'll be one of about, I don't know, 20 – Motivational yes. to- tools they'll use next year. Yeah, talking about tackles,
2: Colts have two top ten tacklers with uh, 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 o'Carake and um, Franklin. Only team in the NFL with two top ten tacklers. So you know they got they got good linebacker set. If you're looking for bright spots on this team, and
0: next year with Shaq coming back, uh, one spot, one linebacker too many for the spots that you usually play. So if you're looking to move up in the draft. Well, I guess Bobby would be a free, uh, a free agent. agent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he he'd be someone that. Uh, you'd have to you'd have to resign or something before the draft, and then trade him away, which would be, I think, unlikely to do it. in, in that case, anyway, I I, I ramble because uh, we we have to get to uh, the keys to the game, Joe. By some miracle, we've made it to fifty-five minutes here in, in this Colts Blue Zone podcast. We had a lot to talk about early. We really did before we got to the game, but uh, but your keys to the game. I know this is going to be uh, going to be some some lengthy discussion here. So stick with us, uh, Joe. How about you begin your keys to the game? Go right ahead.
2: One word: lose. Just lose. Uh, The Colts have been very good at this this year. They've lost almost all their games. And if they lose just one more game, they will guarantee themselves at least a fifth overall draft pick in which they could hopefully draft a new franchise quarterback and reset a more successful era in the Indianapolis franchise. So please, please just lose. Just
0: lose and get to the future. That's what a lot of people have thought for a lot of time.
2: The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org.
0: And with one game left in the regular season, which you can watch on CBS Four, by the way, at one o'clock this weekend if you're in Central Indiana, uh, that that's kind of been a forefront on folks' minds. FanDuel has the Colts at two and a half point favorites over under set at thirty eight point five, so we're expecting a rousing uh, twenty to eighteen ball game at Lucas Oil Stadium, which seems a little high for me. Uh, just because and we haven't even talked that Sam Ellinger is your starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. There, there's, there's that too, that, uh, that it's another that, change. that,
1: that tells you where we are in season. the season.
0: The, the, the crazy thing, and we were talking to him in the locker room and he went through his progression this year and how he's been. He said, I was third, then second, then first, then back to second, then third, now second, now first. Like he, he, he went through the whole roller coaster of, of his season uh, dealing with where he's supposed to be. and, And for him, as a second-year guy who's a sixth-round pick... Or a fourth, what is it? A fourth round or a sixth round? He, he was down there somewhere. Six, I think it was six. six yeah, it was a sixth round six, pick. Sixth round pick. Like, he, he's not supposed to be playing right now. He was supposed to. We talked to him at the beginning of the season about like his goals for the year and how he can progress as a player. And and he t- and he gave us this really like good, well thought out plan that I'm sure he and others had put together for him. And that was just completely blown out of the window when when, well, when he deployed. play. Wasn't,
1: wasn't it like a two or three year plan? Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and it's just completely shot because they they threw him into action. Um and it was mandate uh it was uh I don't know, it was it was required that that somebody it, would it start.
1: Was, it it was mandated by the owner. There let's you go. just say it.
0: Chap, chap can say that. Uh that uh it was mandated that Sam Ellinger take over his starting quarterback. So so anyway.
2: At least you know, Colts can score a touchdown with Ellinger. You know, I hate to rag on Foles, I hope his ribs heal, but man. They could not get in the end zone with Nick Foles, that quarter.
0: We haven't talked about Kayvon Thibodeau either and, and that whole thing. I, I don't think there's much more to say about, uh, about that whole instance. It's with
1: not him. a good look. S- somebody should have taken him out and, and- – even if you were going to get thrown out of the game.
0: Yep, and and, and you, so, you Chap, tried to talk to some offensive linemen and, and Jeff Saturday about uh, – because Sat said uh, that he was going to talk to some linemen about it, but they're, they're keeping it in-house, and that's probably because uh, they would use some words that are in that discussion that are not suitable for, for podcasts or radio or television. So
1: could, Can you imagine if, if somebody had done that to Peyton Manning? Jeff Saturday, Tariq Glenn, Adam Meadows, any of those guys would have taken the guy out – in baseball, if that happens, you hit the guy in the head, the, the, the next batter that comes to the plate, you drill him. Yep. So it it, it, it it was such, for a season that's gone south, it was such a bad optics mm-hmm. of, of you not protecting. Like Jeff said, you protect protect your own. Well, they didn't. No one did. Not, not just the offensive line the receivers, the tight end, the running back, somebody should have done something.
0: Yeah, the the only thing I'll I'll include in this discussion is like you can think that Tavon Kayvon Thibodeau is a horrible human being and just just awful and how could he do that? And and, and I get it, but if you're a Colts fan and you're focusing on your guys, you should be more concerned about your guys and the fact that nothing happened. You can still think those things about Thibodeau, but what should really burn at you, what should really eat at you, is nobody did anything in that scenario. They let Nick Foles writhe on the ground in pain and have Thibodeau right there next to him, acting a fool and celebrating, and uh, and and they did nothing about it. That 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 should be your concern, not who Thibodeau is, not what he did. Your concern should be that nothing happened from any of your guys to do a single darn thing about it. So, so that's my thoughts on the matter. And, and with that, we finally get to predictions the colts texans we keep putting it off because we just don't want to give them but (laughs) nevertheless uh i'll finally give mine uh like my my week one prediction was 21 20 uh uh, texans if you remember correctly and ended up being a 20 to 20 ball game so this week i'm going to go 14 to 13 texans uh to close out the season the colts lose and they uh they perhaps climb a little bit higher in the draft. So that that's my, my thought, 14-13, to 13, another thrilling offensive slugfest. Joe, what do you have? And then Chapel will wrap things up.
2: This one's really tough. In my mind, it's kind of 50-50. I guess just because I have such little faith in the Colts doing what I want them to do this year, I'm going to take the Colts to win this game, 17-14. to 14. Um, But, it, boy, it, it could really go either way. Uh, I, I will be – I'll have my Colts gear on, but I will be rooting for Houston on Sunday.
1: Chap, what you got? I've got the under. Yes. 38-and-a-half uh, <laughs> 38, 38 seems awful high to me. Uh, again, turnovers are such an issue, and I do think Ellinger will take care of the ball The ball against his team. I, they're going to, again, run the ball a lot. I've got 16-10, to 10, and the way – again, the way I'm doing my Colts – it's okay. I'm giving them one touchdown, and then how many field goals? So, sixteen to ten, and and it'll be it'll be unsightly. And you hope that you know games are normally three hours and five minutes. You hope this is two hours and like fifty three minutes. Just get it over.
0: That last week was great. It was a two hour forty five minute ball game. You never see that. So you sixteen to ten Colts, right, Mike? Specifically, correct. Okay, correct. Okay, just wanted to be specific on that. Well, well, that brings our thrilling show to a, to its inevitable conclusion, and uh, there will be plenty more to discuss in the offseason as we really ramp up um, all the all the uh, bells and whistles that come with your typical NFL off for for a team in the Colts position. But uh, as as I said earlier, we do appreciate you sticking with us throughout this year. Uh, we hope you've been entertained a, a little bit by our by my antics. And uh, at the end of the day, I just hope that uh, when it comes to where you look for your Colts content, we can be in the uh, upper quartile of that top quartile of, of places that you go.
2: You almost didn't ding. get it.
1: Ding, 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 ding. Snuck
0: it in at the end. So there we go. We appreciate you listening. We do encourage you to subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device as we are dropped. For Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. We'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.